Hi, we're the Burleys, and today we'll be reading the second Bible reading, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Now there were some people, some present at the time, who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. All those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilise it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. We are starting a new series today, Set Apart set apart by God and for God and it is a series for all of us whether you're new to the Christian faith or you're just exploring or maybe you're an old timer it is for us because it's a series about how we turn our life around so that it's aligned with the will of God so that we might be moving from glory to glory and we'll be all maturing as disciples of Jesus and so as we begin the first one the call for repentance let us pray Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider our world and our own hearts and what Jesus taught, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us see the world with your eyes and help us see how we must respond in a time like this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever heard of the story of the drowning man? It's just a made-up story, but it's like a little parable with a little lesson about it. There's something to it. Where well, the story goes, there was once a man who lived by a river and it was during the monsoon season and as the river rose higher and higher, it started to flood the town. And the town, they were warned over the radio, over the TV, you need to evacuate. But then this man, he stayed in his house. And then along came a jeep and the driver said to him, you need to come with us, you need to evacuate. But then the man said, well, I'm a man of faith, God will save me. And the flood, what happened? Well, it continued to rise and he finds himself on the second floor of his house and he's looking out the window, he's praying to God, God save me. And then along came a rescuer in a boat and the rescuer said to him from, from the second floor, said to him, you need to jump out, you need to come with us, this town will soon be underwater. But what did a man say? He said, well, I'm a man of God, I prayed, God will save me. And what happened next? Well, the flood rose, and now he finds himself on his roof. And the helicopter pilot saw him, hovered above him, and with the megaphone called out to him, you're in danger, grab the ladder, otherwise you'll die. But then this man said, I'm a man of faith. God will save me. Well, you know what happened next, don't you? The man drowns and dies. And then at the pearly gates, he says to God, well, I'm a man of faith. I pray to you, I cried out, but you let me die. And then God said, well, I sent you the jeep, the boat, and the helicopter. What more did you expect? 
Now, of course, that's not a true story. It's only a made-up one, but it's like a little parable. It's a little bit cute, a little bit cheesy, or maybe very cheesy, but there's a little truth in it. And what is that? Well, could something like that be happening now in our world? Could it be happening in your life, in the experiences you experience, in what you see and in what you witness, in the news that you hear, that it is also, in fact, God calling out and speaking to you? Now, of course, we know that God speaks most clearly only in the words of Scripture as we read the word of the Bible. But could it be possible? And this might sound a little bit outrageous to even say, could it even be possible that in our current pandemic crisis, which has infected 10 million people worldwide and over half uh, half a million people have died from it, not to mention the, the loneliness that many are feeling, the increasing cases of mental illness, the loss of jobs, the financial turmoil, could it be possible that even in this current crisis, just like that story, God is calling out and God is calling out to you? It was C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks in our conscience, but God shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So now, perhaps God may be trying to rouse not only a deaf world, but perhaps rouse you and calling to you. Well, that is what Jesus points out in this passage that could be happening even today. You see, what they experienced back then is similar to what we experience in the world today. And that is, we live in the same broken world in every way. Bad things happen to good and bad people alike. The coronavirus, it, it doesn't discriminate between the moral and the immoral person. And here the situation that Jesus speaks about was a ruthless, was a brutal situation. Look at verse 1 with me. Now there were some at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now what was that about? Well, they would have been thinking those people suffered because they were evil people, they were sinful people. You see, that's how they thought in the ancient world. When something bad happened to you, it was because God was out to get you or to strike you down. And they were referring to an incident when Pilate slayed the Galileans while they were at the temple worshipping. And so as they were slaughtering the animals for sacrifice, they were being slaughtered themselves. And so their blood they were, was all mixed up together. It was a savage way to die. And we're meant to feel the shock horror of that, of that atrocity. Think the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989 when hundreds if not thousands were killed by the military. Or think the Port Arthur massacre in 1996, 35 people gunned down. Or think South Sudan in 2012, the massacre there, up to 3,000 people killed. Well, that was what Jesus was addressing, the atrocities, the terrible things that happen in our world. And so look at verse 2. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? So Jesus was addressing atrocities but he also addresses tragic accidents that happen in our world look at verse 4 or those 18 who died when the tower of siloam fell on them do you think they were all more guilty than all the others living in jerusalem and so jesus was addressing the reality of living in this world 
It is a broken world, from massacres to tragic accidents to our current coronavirus. And of course, adding, added on to that, all the evils of mankind that has not stopped at all. Assaults, they still happen, theft, robbery, violence, and a big concern at the moment during this isolation is the rise in domestic violence. And then there's sexual assault, murder, they haven't stopped. And so the reality of the world back then is the same today. It is a broken world in every way. But then what does Jesus say we are to do when we see suffering, when we see atrocities, when we see hardship? Is there a message there? Is there a megaphone that is meant to rouse us up and wake us up? You see, Jesus in his response we see what he did. He did not engage in the hypothetical. He didn't answer their question directly. He didn't say they suffered because they deserved it or they suffered because they were evil. Instead, what did Jesus say? You see, when you see suffering in the world, just like what we're seeing in the world now, it's meant to be a wake-up call and it is a call to repent. It is the megaphone of God. You see, every disappointment, every setback, every frustration, every hardship, every difficulty, every illness, every pain, every loss, is meant to rouse us and help us see that all is not right with this world. But it is also meant to help us see that maybe perhaps there is something that is not right with me too. It's just like when you attend a funeral. What's meant to happen? Well, of course, you're there to grieve, to honour the life of the deceased, to express your sympathies. But when we are confronted by the horror of death, we're not only meant to think about the death of the person who died, but we're also meant to be confronted by our own mortality. It is a wake-up call. And that's why Jesus responded here the way he did. Look at verses 2 to 3. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. That is, when you hear of those who suffer and die, the Galileans, whatever you hear on the news, the tragedies that happen, do not think that they suffered because they deserved it. Don't even deal with the hypothetical. What Jesus says is, make sure you sort yourself out with God. And that's why C.S. Lewis said, he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, you may or may not be aware of this. But this is what we believe as Christians. If there is a God who made us, then we are accountable to him. You know how people say there are only two certainties in life? death and taxes, where there is in fact another one, death, taxes and accountability. You see, we will all one day have to stand before the judgment seat of God and give account of our lives. There will be a, a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. Now some of us, we, we don't like to talk about judgment and I don't really like the idea of judgment too much at all. But if it's true, we need to talk about it. But what it at least means is that at the very least, God takes our thoughts, our desires, our actions done here on earth more seriously than we do. 
And that's why he will call us to account. What we do in this life matters. And that's why Jesus here, he said, unless you repent, unless you get yourself sorted with God before it's too late, you too will perish. The things that are wrong with the world now, they can be terrifying. And it is hard to say this, but there is worse to come if we have not sorted ourselves with God. And that's why Jesus said, repent. Now is the time to repent. And what is repent? Repentance? Well, repentance is not feeling sorry for myself. It's not merely feeling bad or guilty. But repentance is literally to turn around, to do a 180, to not only stop going the wrong way, but to turn around and to start going the right way, and that is towards God. What does it look like? Well, over the last few months, while we've all been in isolation, one of the big struggles that I've heard of, unfortunately, that has become quite prevalent, especially amongst the younger men, but of course not only them, is the struggle with pornography. Uh, beyond the, the screen and the laptop and the computer and the iPad all day, it, it's just not helping. Now, now if you are struggling, and, and if this is you, well, you need to speak out and seek help. Do talk to your growth group leader or an elder or one of the ministry team. We are here to help you. But what does repentance look like in a situation like that? Well, it's not merely to stop looking. That's not turning around. It is to recognize that objectifying anyone made in the image of God is, is dishonorable and it's offense to God. It is also grossly shameful and we are to hate it. But repentance means to also turn around to God, to seek forgiveness and to start pursuing instead of a life of dirtiness, a life of purity and godliness. Not to just stop, but to turn around. That is repentance. And that is what Jesus is saying here. When you see that the world is not right, we are to get our life right with God. And it goes it's true whether you're Christian or not. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. They are harsh words, but we need to hear it. But we must never ever think that God is out to get us. You see, the God of the Bible is a gracious, merciful, loving God. And he is patient. But because I'm not dead yet, God is patient with me. And because you are alive, God is patient because he does not want anyone to perish, but for everyone, like in our first Bible reading, to come to repentance, to turn back to him. And that is the point Jesus made with this mini parable he teaches. You see, a fig tree, what's a tree meant to do? It's meant to bear figs. It's meant to bear fruit. And so this man in this parable, he's been extremely patient with the tree already. Three years already, and that was ample time for the tree to bear fruit. And so look at verse 7. For three years now, I've been coming back to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? You see, we're meant to think here the span of a person's life. We might be given 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and we're meant to bear fruit the fruit of repentance, the fruit of turning back to God and being with God, which means being set apart by God and for God, 
a life of fellowship with God, a life that bears the fruit of godliness and love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness. And God is patient with us because that is what he wants. He does not want us to be barren of any fruit. And so if you've been coming to church for a while or you may have grown up in the church, went to Sunday school and youth group, maybe you even come from a, a Christian family of many, many, uh, many generations or maybe even your dad's a minister or you've been baptized, you can never rely on any of those things. The question here is, do you have fruit in your life? You see, God is patient, but it is only for a time. And that's why we see verses 8 and 9. Have a look with me. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You see, the time of grace will eventually expire. And that's why I really love what Carmen Fernandez said in one of our services the other week. You can sense the tension inside her heart as she was sharing. On the one hand, she longed for God to return to be with her Lord and Master and Saviour. But then on the other hand, you can sense that tension. She didn't want God to come just yet and grateful that God is patient. And remember what she said. She said, some of my dear family members are not yet saved. You see, God is patient. God is giving more time. And that's what we hear in this passage. But that time will not go on forever. You see, we live in a broken world in every way. But we are called to repent at every time because God is patient, but only for a time. And so, is God calling out to you today? We know he speaks in scripture and he's, he makes that clear here. But is he calling out to you today? Because the last thing we would want is for anyone to be like that drowning man or for anyone to be like that tree that will be chopped down or for any one of us to be unaware that God is using his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, a broken world is meant to wake us up and get us to get our lives sorted with God. And so is God calling out to you now? Well, the answer is yes. It is always yes while we are alive. And so my question then is, what are you doing about it? Now, for those of you who do not yet know God, if this current pandemic teaches us anything, it teaches us that we are not in control. Some microscopic virus has already wiped out half a million people. And we're not just talking about numbers because every number is a life lost. And every life attached to it is a grieving husband or grieving wife or father or mother or son or daughter or brother or sister or community of friends. If this crisis teaches us anything, it should humble us. Our life is here today, but it could be gone tomorrow. And if we understand anything of what Jesus said in this passage, then any disaster, any tragedy, any suffering, any pain is a reminder that there is worse to come unless we repent and turn back to God. And so what will you do about it? Well, let me encourage you to reflect on where you stand with God, to humble yourself before God and to turn to him. And the great comfort and wonderful confidence you'll have is that in turning to God, 
because of his son Jesus Christ, who suffered for all the wrongs of the world, who even died for it, will mean that God will always receive you with open arms. Now we're not sure how long this pandemic will last, but it is that opportunity, as we see in this passage, to do that self-reflection and to turn back to God. Now for those of you who know God, well this crisis is also that opportunity to also get us to do some self-reflection. It's so easy, isn't it, just to get on with life and perhaps unaware that God is calling us too. You see, repentance is not just what we do when we first became a Christian, but it is part of the daily normal Christian life. And so if you call yourself a Christian, are there things that this crisis has exposed in your life that you need to repent of? Perhaps for some, not having the recreation we used to enjoy, the sports, the fine dining, the holidays, the financial security. Perhaps that reveals how much we idolize those things. Or perhaps the insecurities we might be feeling now might reveal and expose how much we trusted in those things. And so are there things in this crisis that has exposed in your life what you need to repent of? You see, it is a time of self-reflection. We cannot let this crisis go by with anything happening in our heart. It is the time to get ourselves in step with God. You see, one of the big dangers for Christians during this time is complacency. We'll just get on with life, adapt, adjust, change with all the circumstances, but at the same time, ignoring the sin in our life, allowing everything to change but our heart and bearing no fruit at all. You see, the megaphone is for us as well. Repentance is part of the Christian walk. Because we've heard the warning, haven't we? We do not want anyone to be like that tree that remains barren and is eventually chopped down. And so what is God calling you to do? Well, hopefully it is loud and clear. Repent. Repent today. Repent tomorrow. Repent. And so as we end... I thought we'll pray a prayer of repentance. And I'll use a prayer that I've been using from John Bailey in his book. It's a wonderful prayer of repentance. Let's end in prayer. 